Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we're going to be talking Colorado. We've got an April 2nd deadline here, and I've got the guys from the draw. I've got Jordan Christensen and Jason Browning on the line. Guys, how you doing? Good, Jay. Thanks for having us. Real good. Yeah, I look forward to chatting about Colorado. Um, we've got kind of a short window here. Uh, this episode is going to actually air later this afternoon, uh, but we've got about a week's period before the Colorado deadline for big game hunting. I believe it's April 2nd, and, uh, uh, you know, Colorado has uh, definitely done some changes this year uh, to their fee structure uh, and, you know, a few changes across the board. I'll kind of give you guys the floor to kind of open up and tell us about some of these new changes in the state of Colorado. Before we do that, I want to let the listeners know a little bit about you guys. If if they haven't listened to the podcast episodes that I've done with you uh, prior to this Colorado application podcast, uh, we've done some great podcasts on Arizona, New Mexico, and I believe Utah, uh, and I've gotten great feedback from listeners. Uh, You guys are really taking time with, with clients and customers. You guys have an application service. Uh, I'm sure you'll go into it and tell us about that for any of you new listeners. Uh, you know, I encourage you to go back and listen to those other episodes and hear how thorough these guys were. And uh, you'll get a sense of that uh, here when we go through the Colorado, all the big game species. But guys, I'm going to give you the floor uh, in regards to uh, anything pertinent here with the fee changes and kind of talk a little bit about, uh, you know, how the draw works, I believe they just do the first choice first. They do a first first choice draw, and then they, then they go into your other choices. And Colorado is definitely a unique state in that it's a preference point state. Not to be confused, Colorado is definitely sometimes a confusing state in my mind, uh, but these guys are going to help shed some light on it. Guys, uh, take the floor here. Sure, definitely. So, you know, um, the first thing is is we've got two different kind of point uh, systems going on in Colorado. You have a pure preference point uh, for the deer, elk, and antelope, which means whoever has the most points draws. It also means, Jay, that uh, there are few situations where a guy should be surprised that he drew a permit in Colorado. I think that a lot of guys, um, you know, they, they are kind of just blindly applying every year, hoping something happens. And, and it's hard to be successful in a preference point situation like that. You should be planning ahead, doing some research, using go hunt, using the filtering 2.0 feature to identify the hunt that you're meaning to go on. And then essentially at the end there, you're just simply jumping through a hoop to draw your permit. Now, uh, any given year, I guess you could have odds if you're in the max point pool and there's a few of you in that versus the number of tags. But uh, more often than not, we shouldn't ever be surprised by drawing a tag in Colorado for those three species. And that's a really cool, um, it, it fits very well in a big hunt plan and a big application strategy because we can navigate around that a lot better than we can um, the in, in different states like New Mexico or Arizona, Nevada, Utah, where we don't very often know whether we're going to be successful or not. We can plan hunts in Colorado and kind of execute that plan because it's a preference point state. Um, 
so then we move into the deer, the sheep, moose, and goat, and we move into the weighted point system, and that one gets probably one of the more complicated um, drawing processes of any of the states uh, out there, but it also might be the one that's the best. And, and with the new system uh, and the new fee structures um, that I'm going to go into here in just a second, um, moving forward, especially for younger uh, hunters looking to get started somewhere, um, it's going to be a bit of an investment, but it also in 20 years uh, when the smoke clears, this could really show itself as being uh, the most viable option outside of uh, an equal odds kind of drawing process. So uh, changes this year, um, kind of 2018 for Colorado was kind of a throwaway year for all of the application stuff. Now, if you were lucky enough to jump in and get involved in that, um, you might have grabbed a couple of points for not a whole lot of money, but moving forward for um, you know, the sake of everyone that's been at it for a while and just how, uh, you know, kind of getting us to a nice place where things can be consistent again, I think that these changes were a positive for the state of Colorado and for guys that, that are looking to get started or have been applying for a long time. So what it is, um, the $10 habitat stamp that's been there for a long time uh, still exists. But now they've added a qualifying license uh, in Colorado, which can be a number of things. Um, two of them particularly that stuck out to me, Jay, was that they dropped the price on a black bear permit in Colorado uh, down to $101. So that's pretty exciting. And if you know that you're going to be going to Colorado, uh, any, you know, like I say, if, you, if you're planning this correctly, you would know that you're going to draw like that would be a great year to use that bear permit as your qualifying license instead of simply buying the the, the non-resident annual small game license for $81.75. Because if you're going to be in the field for, at that point, an extra 15 bucks, 20 bucks, you did it. You've got your uh, a bear permit, you got your qualifier, and, you, and you're headed out into the, into the field um, if you successfully draw. So... Now we've got, let's just even kind of level set. Most guys are going to probably lock in to the $81.75 small game annual permit. That's your qualifier. So we're at $91.75. Um, this is uh, very similar to Arizona, Utah, Nevada. We've seen a lot of states. New Mexico started one this year. Idaho, uh, it's, it's just the way it's been going lately uh, to get started. So we have that license, and now... Uh, different than in years past, we have $9 application fee, and that's $9 across the board. That's for deer, elk, antelope, uh, sheep, moose, goat, uh, desert bighorn as well, and that's all there is. That's the only fee there is to get started uh, with these applications. Now, if you want to buy preference points for the sheep, the moose, the goat, the Rocky Mountain bighorn, the moose, and the goat, then you need to expect after you've processed your application and once they've done the draw, then you, you need to expect an additional $100 uh, on each of those applications for the Rocky, the Moose, and the Mountain Goat. Now, you're going to have an option to opt in or opt out of that. So if you're already past your three-point uh you know, kind of uh, loyalty program there for the sheep, moose, and goat, and you know that you are eligible to now draw, you know, depending on what your budget is and depending on what your goals are, 
you could continue down that path for nothing more than $9 and know that every year your name is still going to be in that hat and you have a chance at drawing. But if you're less than three points, then you need to, you, you're, you have to be spending that extra $100 on those three species or you'll never get to a point where you even have a chance at drawing uh, those and you would simply just be donating money to Colorado for, for no reason. Um, at that point. So um, a lot of changes in the fee structures, a lot of changes, uh, not a lot of changes, I guess, on how the draw is processed. It's just how you, you get in the game. And something that we've been talking a lot about here with guys that are calling in about Colorado, that maybe the $109 isn't so appealing for the Rocky for them, is for $9, uh, they, there is no $100 fee when we're looking at the Desert Bighorn. And to get a little more value out of that hunting license, I mean, that becomes a $9 raffle ticket. The odds were atrocious last year. I think they were 1 in 1,697. I think with this hunting license that, that's been in place now, we're going to see those odds get back to a more reasonable number, a, a much more reasonable number. But uh, at least we're in another sheep uh, hat or bucket, so to speak, for for nine bucks, if we decide the hundred and nine isn't what we're looking for, so that's kind of uh, I think, I, yeah. Something else to be noted uh, there, guys, is uh, they're no longer accepting paper applications. If I'm correct, it's all online. Am I right in yes. that? Yes, yes, that's okay. correct. No more paper applications, and this is year two where. Um, there is no float. There's no upfront money required during this application process, so there's no refund checks. Uh, it's a lot more streamlined process. It's a lot more similar to uh, many of the other states now, and, and we don't have to be chasing money or watching for it coming in and out any longer in Colorado. Okay, good stuff. Uh, why don't we... Um Feel free if, if you feel like you left anything out there to add it, but uh, why don't we dive into the uh, deer and elk portion of the draw, talk a little bit about how that works, uh, and then let's you know just go through the deer, go through the elk. Okay, perfect. I, the one last thing on licensing I would say, Jay, is uh, with our Kids Apply Free program, we're definitely having a lot of folks taking advantage of that and now with uh, there is no qualifying license except the dollar 75 uh, fee I believe that's a search and rescue fee there in Colorado and then nine dollars a species so you know short-term goals long-term goals for the youth hunters this is a super affordable state to get started with the other nice thing about Colorado comparing it to other states is that they don't purge your points for 10 years in Colorado so say you get your youth hunter started and at 18 years old when this all of a sudden gets to be a little bit more expensive, um, they would have till they're 28 to pick up where you left off and they have this great foundation of points that you've built for them without a whole lot of money being spent uh, any given year. So um, that that would be the one last thing on the licensing stuff. As far as the deer and elk, I think, you know, at 10,000 feet, the, the, the preference point system is probably the easiest draw system to break. And, and there's no question, at least in my mind, that when you look at Colorado uh, for deer, elk, and antelope, that system is broken. Someone who is getting started with zero points today uh, mathematically will never get a chance to hunt what is considered the, the elite uh, 
units in the state. The fourth season deer, uh, the northwest, the first season elk in the northwest uh, corner of the state, and there, there's even some of them that may not be creeping or have the point totals just yet, but they're so far behind the curve, even catching up to some of them that seem like they're a little bit more uh, obtainable, like a fourth season in Unit 40 or some of the stuff in 76 is, is probably still unlikely to happen. And so really where we're at, and, and one of the concepts we, we drive home here is that, you know, Colorado shouldn't be looked at as a long-term goal state for deer, elk, or antelope. It should be looked at as an opportunity to go hunting. And there's a lot of great stuff, especially focusing on on the deer going on in Colorado. If you throw a dart at Colorado right now, the chances of hitting a county that a 200-inch deer came out of are extremely high in the in the last couple of years, if not every year. So it's it's like if we can just be in the field in these units that have that kind of age class, have those kind of buck-to-doe ratios, we're giving ourselves an opportunity to be successful. Now, the other thing that we can do in Colorado, because the only time your points get purged is when you draw your first choice, is we look for different opportunities to go hunting where maybe we can even draw a second and, and occasionally a third season hunt as as a second choice because it's going undersubscribed and we retain our points. And we can do that for a number of different reasons, but one of my favorite is because if I finally draw a fourth season tag that maybe took five or six years to draw or maybe it even took eight or nine years to draw, the likelihood of me being able to take the most advantage of that permit and really do it the justice that it deserves is so much higher if I've spent other years and more time on the ground. If I wait 15 years to go on a fourth season hunt and it's the first time I've ever been on the unit, the likelihood of me, you know, doing as good as I possibly could is a lot lower versus if I've hunted it a few times leading up to that fourth season hunt or a third season hunt or whatever the, the case may be. And, and now I'm there in better dates better rut activity and, and I really gave myself a chance to be successful with one of those elite hunts and I went hunting as often as I wanted to leading up to that so you know Jordan explain that real fast you, you went over it pretty fast and people that maybe aren't familiar with Colorado the way that the, the system works is you everybody puts in their first choice and but you can apply for a second choice and it doesn't affect your points. Dive into that a little deeper, explaining to some of the six gold uh, mugs out there, including myself, that it takes about eight times to say that so it really sinks in that you don't lose your points, but you get to hunt and you can get some second and third season hunts potentially as a second choice and it doesn't affect your points at all. That That's correct, Jay. So, so, yeah, the only choice that, that Colorado is looking at on the first round of applicants is that first choice. And, and you can actually even apply point only for that as your, as your selection, or you could, you know, uh, put in for some hunt that you know it's never, you know, that's extremely unlikely that you're going to draw as your first choice. And the whole goal of that isn't to draw that, it's to continue building points 
but still going to Colorado, we would put a hunt that we find using the filtering 2.0 or using the draw odds on go hunt as a, as a second choice there. Now, uh, it's, it's hard to say how many other people are going to be doing that as well, and those odds aren't typically published anywhere on, on what your odds of drawing that second choice were. But more often than not, they're extremely high. You're, you're dealing with a lesser amount of permits because it's whatever's left after the draw is concluded. But often we can snag a, a second choice in a hunt that's further away from the rut, typically second or third season. Um, if we're looking at the plains, every once in a while we can find a plains deer that's more of that late October or maybe a whitetail only that is a, a similar kind of uh, concept and we can go hunting without losing our points by putting it as a second choice. And for me, if I'm going to burn a number of points, if there's any kind of option to do that, even the year before we start, uh, before we're going to burn the points that we've been saving for a long time, how, I mean, you're just going to be that much better off the year that you choose to use your points for that premier hunt. So uh, it's, it's a it's a really awesome program if we take full advantage of all the different twists and turns that they offer us. So, Jay, you kind of, to simplify it a little bit, you, we kind of set up what's your overall goal for your, your deer in Colorado, and that's your long-term goal and what you want to do with that. And we don't stop there. Then we put in plans for the years between when you start applying and when we're actually going to go on that hunt because we have the data to tell us how long it's going to take you to get that hunt roughly. And we go ahead and plan in our hunt plan for all the years in between that. And that's, that's what Jordan's talking about, using that second choice to get you into Colorado hunting, not just have one overall long-term goal in Colorado. Right. And, Jason, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but it also allows you to potentially hunt that same unit that you're chasing for third or fourth season, potentially hunt it every year up until the time, if not every year, maybe every other year, draw it as a second choice but get to know the unit inside and out so that when you do draw that third or fourth season tag you know exactly where to go you know all of the different private land situations and and access points and you know you you basically get to know that unit or you can bounce around and hunt all over the state of colorado in different second season uh and and other choices potentially maybe archery other other options where you just get to go deer hunting, but you're still, you know, basically waiting for that time when you cash in on your, you know, third or fourth season tag. And I also might add, there are some um, hunts out there by using the Go Hunt Insider, uh, you can actually get some third season tags, believe it or not, in this second choice draw, and it doesn't affect your points. So here you are sitting on a third season tag, and you never know when you get a big cold front, big snowstorm, all of a sudden the deer potentially, you know, rutting on that third season and you have a chance at, you know, some pretty good bucks. Um, Colorado, like you said, I mean, every county is pretty much known for having a 200-inch deer at one point or another killed out of it. Um, and a lot of people just put in and they don't understand that they complain that there's no opportunity and the reality is that they can, as a second choice, pretty much go hunting in Colorado every year, and if not every year, every other, you know, every couple of years, correct? 
That's correct. And I mean, it's like you said, there's two basic ways you could do it. Um, you know, you can, you're going to have your long-term ter- long goal and you're going to set that and that's what we're going to strive for. But then, like you suggested, you could do two things. You could stick with that unit and you can try and figure out what it's going to take to draw a second or third season, how often you can get yourself back in that unit. I like to consult to that because I think it's real important if you're going to go hunt a unit and you're going to invest all these years in going on that fourth season hunt, to walk into that unit for the first time 48 hours before that hunt just seems crazy to me. If I could be there three yeah. or four years between, I mean, now things are going to change, right? That fourth season, the deer might not be where they are when they're there the second, third season. Migration happens. We all know that. But by being in the unit, I mean, you're going to make acquaintances. You're going to see the landscape. You're, all those things will happen as you hunt those second and third season tags, and all that prepares you for when you finally get there on that fourth season tag you've dreamed about. So that's one scenario kick to another scenario, you have this long-term goal, and maybe you're going with an outfitter, or you've got a buddy that lives in Colorado, and you're not so worried about being in that unit up to that point, so go go somewhere else, go on an archery hunt, go on a third season over here, like you suggested, get lucky with some snow and, and get to kill a big old buck on a third season, so you can have that strategy too, where you're still going hunting in Colorado every year, every other year, whatever you want to do, but you're still keeping that first choice. And, and working toward that long-term goal. And that's what, you know, the, our planning and our hunt plan, that's what we do is we go through all these scenarios and we put in place long-term goals backed up with short-term goals in Colorado to get you in the field hunting. Colorado is a great state to go hunting in. Yeah, and I think it's uh, important to add that Colorado for deer, unless I'm uh, – you know, mistaken is a draw state. In other words, to get tags in Colorado, you have to draw it, whereas there are opportunities for elk that are over-the-counter. That's a whole other discussion that I'm sure we're going to have, but um, potentially you could you could have, uh, you know, the opportunity to go over-the-counter archery elk hunting. Do you just buy a license and you don't put in for these draw, or you still put in for these draw units, but you you know, buy an OTC elk tag and, and you're off and running, uh, you know, every single year. And I think one of the things Colorado has kind of, you know, cut their teeth or, you know, their wildlife management whole system has, in my opinion, been based on the unbelievable numbers of elk that inhabit Colorado. One of the things from my perspective that Colorado has to kind of watch, and I think it's been happening, is, They've, the, the OTC elk tags in Colorado have the quality. There's so many people out there chasing bulls and harvesting bulls and what have you that the quality of hunt, in my opinion, from what I'm hearing, has gone down. And, um, you know, I know the game management, I know the game, uh, the, the uh, game and fish or fish and game, uh, whatever they call it there, you know, they have to manage those elk numbers and, you know, they, they say in units that they're, you know, above or below harvest objective, but they got to watch that they don't, you know, kill the golden goose, so to speak. And I think they're at that point now. Um, curious you guys' thoughts on that over-the-counter elk and, you know, what we may see in the future on that. Sure. No, uh, it's interesting that you uh, you bring that up, Jay, because the uh, fact is, is I I, I kind of got a, a a text message last night from a, a gentleman that was uh, uh, 
keeping me kind of he, he keeps me in the loop a little bit about what's going on in Colorado. And so in in this this spring, um, so the 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 season structure is set every five years in Colorado, and and this spring is when they're uh, starting to talk a lot about what changes, if any, are going to be happening in Colorado, um, and, and it covers a lot of different uh, uh, a lot of different ground. But one of them that really is getting a lot of traction right now, uh, it's not set in stone yet, but it uh, it's been uh, addressed in a couple of the regional meetings and it's now um, moving forward and, and it looks like it's picking up steam is that they're going to do away with all of the over-the-counter archery hunting in Colorado every for, for elk. So everything is going to be happening on a draw system with quotas just like all the rest of the hunts offered in Colorado. And, and the reason behind that that they're giving us right now is that the, the distribution of hunters is not happening like they need it to. There's, there are areas and regions of the state that are literally hundreds of permits, if not a thousand plus permits, undersubscribed each year. Meanwhile, you have other areas of the state that are just uh, getting thousands upon thousands of hunters flooding into those areas. The, the, the hunting experience is, is poor, the success rates are poor, and, and, it, and they're trying to figure out exactly how they're going to make that better moving forward. So, you know, we don't really have an opinion one way or the other, Jay, on what uh, I, I think it would be a mistake for us where we haven't spent tons of time in, in that state during those parts of the, the year. Um, but if people do have opinions on that, they are taking public comment right now. You can look it up on Colorado Parks and Wildlife, look up the five-year structure, season structure, and then there's a place for public comment. Uh, the one thing I would tell your, your listeners and, and anyone that does participate in those over-the-counter archery permits, as a safety net, if you know you're going to Colorado this year, you're going to be buying a hunting license of some sort anyways. To not take advantage of the time you have right now to get a point, if that is in fact what they go do, is probably a mistake. It's cheaper than it's ever been. It's nine bucks. Get yourself ahead of the curve that's about to happen if this if this does take place. And you know, I think that Colorado could see a huge change. I think that there's going to be some other states that are going to be affected by this change if if it does in fact get passed. But it's not happened yet. But there is a little momentum happening right now in Colorado to that that that, that over the counter archery elk hunt could go to a draw starting in 2020. And and uh, like I say, I, I don't know what whether that's going to be good or bad, but there is a big effort to redistribute hunters across the whole state of Colorado and not have them so uh, bottlenecked into certain areas of the state. That's very interesting. Um, this is the first I've heard of that, so that's, that's very, very interesting. I do encourage, like you said, uh, the listeners to go to the Colorado Division of Wildlife website and uh, voice your opinion. Uh, put your comments in there, and it'll be interesting to see how things shake out. Um, guys, let's let's go back to uh, the the deer right now, and let's talk about uh, some of the some of the units uh, and choices that, uh, in you guys' opinion, would be good for people with low point numbers, uh, and um, you know, just talk all about. 
the different areas, the different choices, and what have you. Sure, definitely. So, you know, with with Colorado mule deer, you know, it, like you say, it, it's you throw a dart at this state, and you're going to hit something spectacular, right? They, they, somewhere in the last two or three years, somebody killed an absolute giant deer, and 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 that's really a testament to probably the management strategy. I'm a big fan of buck to doe ratios, uh, and and I just think it, when a state is managing aggressively for a higher buck to doe ratio, the odds of of running into an older deer just get better and better. And I think you know Colorado is definitely uh, the probably has the strictest regulations around that uh, with most of their units looking for a 40 bucks per hundred does. The next nearest to that is Nevada with a 30 bucks per hundred does. So comparing apples to apples, if you've never hunted deer in Colorado, more often than not, you're going to have a, a very positive experience compared to most anywhere else you may have ever hunted simply because they're managing for that. You're supposed to see more bucks per does. And so if you see a group of 10 deer, in their mind, what their goal is, is four of those are going to be bucks. And that's pretty exciting. So no matter where we're looking to to try and and go hunt, the the idea is you're probably going to have a a more positive experience than you were uh, outside of, of looking uh, you know, outside of Colorado anyways. So once we start kind of breaking it down, staying a little bit on task with what me and Jason uh, were talking about earlier with the point stuff, I, I have a few just real kind of go-to areas, and, and I'm, I, I'm not going to try and give up anybody's honey hole. I'm just going to kind of talk about some areas of the state, if that's all right, Jay. But, but like sure. Eagle, Colorado, right? So Eagle, Colorado um, is it is kind of famous right there's always been big deer coming out of eagle colorado and when we look at at that part of the world um there are a number there, there's a couple of different options to look at that that actually are more of a region of units uh, that that we can look at for the second and third rifle season and when uh, as well as the archery or the muzzleloader these second and third seasons in some of these areas real close to to eagle and avon and, and Glenwood Springs are historically drawing with zero points on the second and, and most years on the third rifle season. And so with, with that in mind, if we look at a little bit closer, it does take, you know, a considerable amount of points depending on uh, any given year, you know, probably 9 to 14 points depending on which unit that we're looking at to accomplish a fourth season hunt in there. But I mean, talk about a home run. If we can get there, get a little barometric pressure, get a little snow on the ground, uh, that, those third season hunts are fantastic. Same being said for the, the second season, if we can get kind of an Indian summer and maybe things stay just a little bit fair weather uh, a little bit later into the, into the year, uh, then there isn't as much a reason for those deer to be down in that thick timber. There isn't as much a reason for them to be pulling off of those big bald faces that we're going to find in those upper elevations. And we put a little glass on, uh, you know, a little time behind the glass, and we're going to have a lot better 
chance at finding those big deer and just being there with a tag in our hand gives us a chance. They're going to kill some 180 to 200 inch deer out of all of these units. They do every year. And so I like, I like in that part of the state, I also like looking down in uh, towards the southwest corner, uh, some of the stuff around Durango, above Cortez, Dove Creek, uh, Telluride. You know, part of what's happening here, Jay, in my opinion, is that, that there's a lot of hunters still hunting all of these areas. But Colorado just lends itself to big deer and older deer because it's brutal. There is some seriously physical areas all across a lot of these er these regions uh, on the eastern or western fronts of the Rockies. And it just, you know, all you need is the right deer that just has kind of slipped between the cracks in how remote some of this area is to mess up one time one day when you're out there during those times of year and, and all of a sudden you're walking up to a buck of a lifetime. Um, the stuff around uh, Crescent Butte and... I, I don't even know how to say that. Pannonia, it's right on it's the main highway there. Yep. Yeah, 52, mm -hmm. uh, 521, 53. All of these kind of regions of the state, I mean, with less than five points, you're going hunting in, in a lot of them, second and third season, and some of them, uh, even with zero points, you can get there and hunt uh, without any points and on a second, on a second season there. So... In my mind, I'm, more, I'm a lot more inclined to be looking at, at these areas that don't take as many points to draw a fourth season, and maybe I can draw in a second season as a viable option to go hunt uh, as often as I want to, because where I'm going to start uh, the second year that I get to a unit is always a different place than where I started year one, because once I've been on the ground, I get a, a chance to look at it, I'm always going to be shifting gears. I think another plan of attack that a lot of people uh, that are trying to figure out, you know, okay, so I've got this unit. I know where I'm going to go, but what do I do from there, Jay? When I'm looking at some of this stuff that's super rugged, I don't know, this, this might sound a little hokey, but I'm going to go with it anyway. I like to camp on the north end of wherever I think I'm going to go hunting because I'm planning on glassing as many north-facing slopes as I can. And if I'm hunting, if I'm camped north and I'm hunting south the majority of the time, then I don't have to go all the way around that mountain to look at the north face. I can shift and move south and I don't have to go near as far to see a whole nother north-facing slope. And so when you're hunting those big, deep, rugged canyons uh, and, and big mountains, uh, using your glass as much as possible uh, is a concept all of us get preached a lot about. But if, if I'm constantly hunting north out of camp every day, I have a long ways to go just to see another north-facing slope every time I leave camp. So plan on, hunt, plan on camping at the north end of wherever you're planning on and then hunt south, and you're going to cover a whole lot more ground than you would uh, other than that. That's good. That's good advice. Um, guys, I want to take just a quick second here and thank the sponsors of the podcast. I want to thank GoHunt.com. My friend Cody Nelson, uh, he is the optics authority. I call him the glassing guru. He's the optics manager at GoHunt.com. If you guys need any binocular, spotting scope, tripods, 
any optical needs at all, give Cody a call at 702-847-8747. Uh, that's extension 2. You can also email him at optics at gohunt.com. I keep teasing on the podcast to tell him that I'm going to uh, uh, give him a knuckle sandwich if he doesn't give you a good deal. And Cody actually calls me about every other day and says, um, teases me and says that he'd like to see me try and do that. And uh, he says he's going to body slam me if I say it again. So make sure you tell him knuckle sandwich. Uh, Jay says that uh, uh, better give him a good deal on optics. I want to thank GoHunt.com for their sponsorship. Also want to remind you, you guys have heard uh, Jordan and Jason talking about uh, GoHunt.com Insider, uh, the filtering 2.0 system. Uh, that is an incredible uh, resource for all Western hunters. You can hear these guys are experts. Application business is their, is their business, and they use the GoHunt.com Insider uh, if you want to sign up for the Go Hunt Insider, just go to gohunt.com forward slash jscott. You're going to get a $50 Go Hunt Gear Shop gift card just for signing up. Uh, I also want to thank Kuyu Ultralight Hunting. Uh, you can find out more information at kuyu.com. That's K-U-I-U.com. I want to thank them for their sponsorship. That is the gear that I wear on all my hunts. Uh, and... Uh, CanyonCoolers.com, uh, based right out of Flagstaff, Arizona. Use the JScott19 promo code. You get a 10% discount. Phonescope.com, use the JScott19 promo code. Get a 10% discount. And OnXMaps.com, use the JScott19 promo code, and you're going to get a 20% discount there at OnXMaps. Uh, guys, I want to shift focus here a little bit. Uh, we did briefly talk about elk. You talked about the OTC, potentially the archery hunt uh, moving forward in 2020. It's, it's a possibility that it might go to a draw. Um, let's talk a little bit about elk, and then I want to get into the other species as well. Sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, elk, I mean, it's amazing, right? There's there's more elk in Colorado than, than every other state combined. Uh, at least that's what they tell us. I, I've had a couple over-the-counter experiences there, Jay, that would lend to <laughs> make me believe otherwise. But I think yeah. that uh, I think that that's probably actually an important call-out, right? That that you you have to these elk are, are hunted maybe as hard as any elk in the country, Jay. And whether whether it's with the archery or or all the way through the fourth rifle, and some of these. Uh, Units even have, like, late rifles that are in December and January. I mean, they get a ton of hunting pressure, and I think that you have to be aware of that when you're planning these hunts and you have to kind of navigate through. Um, you know, one of the things I would call out, uh, as you've maybe noticed in our other podcasts, we're big fans of Onyx as well. Like, that's such a, a huge tool, and I think that to... to uh, sometimes the the wrinkles and the and the opportunities might come in places where you need to have that onyx on you. You need to be looking where you're at and where you're hunting, and and don't think you're going to be alone. Right? There's just a lot of people hunting in Colorado, um, but but it, it lends itself. Those those elk feel that pressure so much for so many months out of the year that that after the archery season especially those herds have been shifted dramatically and and sometimes in the higher 
in the areas that have a little bit more private land that maybe don't look quite so inviting, it, it lends itself to a better experience because at least you're in an area that there's still elk. Uh, once that pressure really gets into some of these areas, it moves them out. So there's just that much volume of people going. And so be aware of it. And, and, and then where the draw can really come in, especially if you're a rifle hunter, is, is the first and fourth season, even in the over-the-counter units, with just a little bit of effort, you're there prior to or after, and you, you're the, at a minimum, things are a lot more quiet in the forest than they are during that second and third rifle season, and definitely during the archery season. And, and uh, it, even those opportunities, with just a little more effort, seems like for me, hunting, like the, the more quality of the experience I have, it's because I did a little bit more than the other guy. And sometimes that means I drove a little further. Sometimes that means I hiked a little bit further. But even uh, uh, submitting an application is one more thing that I did that another hunter didn't do, and it just lends itself to a better, a better hunting experience. And so it doesn't always mean I have to go put 40 miles on my boots uh, to, to be better. It simply is I'm, I, I jumped through another hoop that another guy didn't do, and therefore my hunting experience is a little bit better, or I start in a little bit better place. And that's where drawing a tag, even if we're looking for this stuff that takes maybe zero to one point, uh, or excuse me, uh, five to zero points to draw, really ups your odds at having a good experience um, before. I mean, still do all the same stuff when you get to the unit, but with a little bit of effort, you can really increase uh, your experience and have such a much more positive time while you're in the field in Colorado. In other words, um, in other words, what you're saying is rather than go to the OTC second and third uh, four-season rifle elk hunts, spend your zero to five points and upgrade that experience, the difference between even a zero to five-point unit compared to an OTC unit from a number of people and just, just experience-wise is much better. Uh, so you're saying there's a lot of value even in a two- or three-point area compared to an OTC with the amount of people that you'll run into. Absolutely, for sure, because it's just there, there isn't near as many people in the forest at that amount of time. The, the tags are limited. Um, you know, that first season, uh, there are just, I mean, I'm kind of rolling through Go Hunt even while we're talking right here, Jay, just so I don't get units mixed up and stuff, and I can look at a map. But I mean, we're talking. You know, I don't. I don't know if there's a hundred, but there might be a hundred different hunt selections in Colorado. That there's a lot that with zero points you can draw, and I promise you, when we're looking at a first versus a fourth season versus a second and third over the counter, at, at a minimum, it's more enjoyable because when the sun comes up you're not surrounded by thousands of people in every direction. I mean, uh, you know, you can, you can actually put, if you were to blast up some elk, like you actually have a chance, even if they're a mile or two away of getting to them. On some of those second and third seasons in parts of the state, if you glass up elk a mile away, the idea that there isn't multiple hunters in between you and those elk is pretty unlikely. Like, it's crazy that that's the truth, but it, it really gets, hammered and so with just a little bit of effort 
you can you can definitely avoid a lot of what's happening on those second and third seasons and still get to hunt right where you want to. The same place you've been hunting in a long time, more often than not. Talk a little bit about the guys that, you know, have, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18 points in Colorado and they still have this idea that they're going to, you know, get one of the top one, two, three archery and or, you know, early rifle permits. Talk about, you know, the point creep and the fact that those guys probably need to get more realistic. I mean, I'm one of them. I have 20 points in Colorado, and, you know, the likelihood is I'm just not going to ever catch those, those, you know, top one, two, or three units in the state. What would be a strategy that you would tell someone, um, you know, rather than just sit there and year after year after year just keep chasing? You know, here's this is always a hard conversation to have with guys especially if no one's ever had it with them before jay because no one wants to find out that 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 all of the two decades worth of effort may not be enough right it is what the the hard reality is when we're looking at units like 201 2110 um unless we're at max points unless we, you know, even if you have one less than max points, I think that's 24 this year. The idea that you're going to get to hunt those in your lifetime is is unlikely. Now, 10, you might be able to slip in there and, and go hunt. Um, uh, and, and even uh, you're going to have a little bit of odds of drawing, I guess, I think it's in about six or seven years uh, for guys that have one less than max points. But, overall it's unrealistic i mean if you're setting at two or three behind max points you literally have hundreds of guys in front of you and only one or two successful applicants a year and and a lot of guys immediately want to bring up the hybrid draw and for non-residents especially in what would be those you know commonly referred to as the best units in colorado that northwest corner that that doesn't come into account. The non-resident quota has been filled by the time they get to the hybrid section of the draw, and and so you're all you're doing at that point is donating money to Colorado. You you don't have a goal. You might think that you do, but you don't. You don't have a goal. You don't have a finish line. You don't have anything that's happening there, and so it often leads to okay. So what do we do? What is what are my options? And I'll tell you, Jay. Um, really, there's there's only a few that stick out for me, and if I had the number of points, you know, that that these kind of, you know, that 15 plus, um, I'm going to tell you probably one that that gets talked about immediately. At least for me, it does. Is Unit 40. Um, you got to be looking at Unit 40. You need to be looking at something different than the first season for most guys. If you happen to be in a place where you're at with 20 points, then maybe just maybe a first season hunt in a few years might be a hunt that you finally have caught up to but typically second third fourth season i mean unit 40 definitely doesn't have the reputation uh that 201 or two or one is it's not an apples to apples situation that's a different unit there there is a chance at a big bull but bull for bull coming out of 40 compared to those units it's, it's not the same i think that's a great 320 to 330 class hunt with a chance at a big bull. And that's what you need to be looking for. You need to be looking for a chance at a big bull if you want to go hunting. If, if 
you know, if you don't, then, you know, I'm not sure what we've been doing for 20 years, but you're just unfortunately not going to catch the point creep in those northwest corner states. I think some other cool stuff that's happening in, in Colorado, Unit 20, you know, for, for a long time now, uh, up by Estes Park and the Rocky Mountain National Park, it makes sense. You've got a, a national park right there. You've got some elk that uh, start growing up in those areas that probably aren't huntable during uh, a good portion of the year. Maybe they slip out and start looking for cows during the fourth season, or those December and January hunts in, in Unit 20, I think, can produce an above-average bull for Colorado. Again, we're, we're not talking apples to apples. None of these are going to be like Unit 2 or 201 or, or 1. It's just They're just not going to be. But they're still quite viable for a chance at a mid-300 class bull. We look at down at the southern end of the state, 851, 83, um, I think those are producing some awfully big bulls, but those aren't going to be good picks for guys that are looking for a do-it-yourself type experience. You're just, I mean, I think Unit 83 uh, and 851, I'm not sure there is any public in either of those units. If it is, it's extremely low. Um, 76 always creeps into this conversation. Uh, personal opinion, Jay, I'm not a fan. Like, I don't think the points required to hunt in 76 are equivalent to the caliber of bulls most guys are killing in 76. Um, I still get a lot of guys that want to put in for that because they feel like they're getting some value for the points that they've been doing. But I think opening morning as the sun comes up, you see a 300 to 320 class bull in 76, you better get real serious about killing that bull because there isn't going to be much better more years than not um, coming out of out – of, uh, that area that it's been hit pretty hard. They're killing a lot of elk and it's just surrounded by thousands of hunters during the bulk of the hunting season. Um, so I think that that's playing into uh, what's going on there. Um, I think some of the muzzleloader hunts, um, sorry to interrupt, but I think some of those muzzleloader elk hunts potentially uh, could be a diamond in the rough because of the, the timing and obviously, you know, the 210s, the 20s, the, you know, you know, the Northwest, the, the two, excuse me, 210 and 201, they're, they're obviously out of reach for most archers and, and, you know, muzzleloaders, but there's other units that, you know, with not tons of points, you can get a pretty good hunt, you know, bulls bugling with the muzzleloader in your hand. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a good call out. Jay, I kind of... Uh, being down in New Mexico, we're spoiled because if we push the bullet down the barrel, it's legal. Uh, and in Colorado, we're still up against uh, some of the more primitive laws. But for guys who are, you know, are, are set up and, and ready for that, I mean, even now, primitive, there's some really good muzzleloaders that guys can go and, and have a legitimate, you know, uh, opportunity to shoot effectively at a lot further than they were when I was growing up and hunting with an, an old, uh, you know, Thompson Renegade and, and round ball and some of that type of stuff. But it is. Uh, it's prime dates. You're with a gun. You know, you should, most guys are going to be able to shoot that at 60 to 100 yards. And um, it does seem to fly under the radar a little bit on some of these units that uh, are maybe a mid-level kind of tier uh, hunt in Colorado. So, uh, 
you know, it's just like any hidden gem uh, that you find. Uh, the further away from the rut and or the more primitive the weapon you're willing to use, uh, you definitely can find some, some value in those and find yourself on a hunt sooner than later, for sure. Let's um, jump over to um, sheep, goat, and moose and talk about that. Sure. You know, the uh, I guess let's start with, with moose. I mean, overall, Jay, um, moose hunting in, in Colorado is, is fantastic, I think. I think that there's a lot of opportunities. There's, uh, there, there's a rather strict management strategy in place. And so no matter where you draw the tag, I think more often than not, you're going to have a chance at, at, at a nice bull. Um, you know, historically, six, seven, eight, one sixty-one. that part of the world is going to be the very best that Colorado has to offer. But, uh, you know, again, any one of these units is really going to be um, a, a rather quality hunt. Now, you know, something to be noted is they do have this, the archery, they have the, the muzzleloader season, and then they also have the, um, the rifle season. I'll leave it up to, to guys to do whatever they want to do. But for me, I tend to, to drift guys towards that rifle hunt always. Because even if you want to hunt with your bow, you're getting there pretty early to be hunting in the rut for a bull moose with your bow. And if you want to hunt during the rut with your bow, then you need to be hunting during those rifle season dates and, and versus shooting them over water or something like that, I guess. Um, calling a bull in early September in Colorado is going to be a pretty big feat versus that first week of October um, should be a home run. You're going to have a real chance at calling a bull in. So, um, you know, I, I probably don't have a ton to say about the moose other than just apply, right? And the other thing is kind of going back to this new fee structure. If you're not interested in spending the extra $100 a year um, to be building points. If you already have your qualifying points there, um, definitely spend the extra $9 if you're putting in for any other reason and keep your name in that hat. Uh, you won't be getting any more presents in that draw as we move forward, but you definitely are have a, your hat in the bucket and you, you got a chance. And so much of this stuff stays pretty low drawing odds even for the higher point guys anyways. It's really anybody's game. So Keep up with that, even if you're not willing to spend the extra $100. Let's talk about sheep and goat. All right. So once we get to, to the mountain goat, um, you know, there's a lot to be said about mountain goat hunting in Colorado. For me personally, Jay, other than a place or two in Utah, um, this is one of the more – this is probably the most likely a guy, in my opinion, in the lower 48 can get started with a place and, and eventually draw a mountain goat tag. They give a few tags. There's a lot of different hunt codes that dis, di, distribute the, uh, the applicants across each of the different units. They have archery-only selection down in the southwest corner in G5. Um, it's worth noting that I think the odds of drawing that archery permit are often worse than some of the rifle options. And mountain goats in general are just a great species to hunt with your bow. They're not a super skittish animal, and particularly in Colorado when you're talking around so many of these ski resorts and the hiking trails and biking trails, goats in general 
get a little bit used to some people traffic in those areas and no matter where you hunt if or draw there's a you know if you're interested in hunting with your bow don't feel like you have to be married to that g5 selection and if you want to chase odds a little bit um so be it you're, you're going to be up there and there's going to be a couple guys as well hunting with rifles but it's still a pretty viable option to to consider um and particularly if i'm an archer um and i'm kind of looking for that scenario all you've got to do is look in the proclamation and be looking for different hunt codes that are going to say weekday hunt only. If you're if you're putting in for anything that says weekday hunt only, like in G16 or in G10 or G7, G4, these are, are identified as high traffic areas that have a ton of bikers, a ton of mountain climbers, all of those types of things, and you can just know that there's going to be you know, goats that are used to seeing people in those areas. Um, as far as, you know, anywhere in that state has a chance for a nine-inch goat or not. I think a lot of it boils down to, you know, what what style of hunting you're, you're more up to. You know, a lot of the success rates in Colorado probably are, a, are affected purely by the physicalness of, of an area versus inability to find mountain goats g4 you know is is and g17 are historically managed for a lower population of animals but even then the age class seems to still be there more often than not to find a good mature billy and any of the other ones a nine inch billy is is possible in any unit in the state and even some of these nanny options they you know uh, I'll tell you honestly, for me, Jay, it's probably not a real popular thing. But I, right now, I put in for the nanny permits. I put them in in Utah. I put them in in Colorado. I put them in anywhere that I can because I'm really interested in just drawing a mountain goat tag. And I know that I've got a lot of other stuff going with a lot of other states. And 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 so if I can draw a nanny tag somewhere, I can check the box on that species. I get to go on an amazing hunt. I, I, I've done a few of these in Utah in the past. Um, they all are spikes, right? <laughs> it's all the, the, there's and and yeah, the, the animal. It's not a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah, and the hunt itself is what is the driving force for me is, is to be in the mountains, and I want to be there as often as I can, as early as I can. And so when the day comes that I finally draw one of these nanny permits, then I'm probably going to shift everything else that I've got over to a billy tag, and, and hopefully someday I'll have gotten to hunt mountain goats twice in my life, not just once. So I chase the odds really strongly on those, on those female tags for the time being, and when the day comes I finally draw one, I've got backup plans. I've got other agendas. I've got other places that I've been putting some work in so that hopefully I can go shoot a big billy. But I like mounting, mountain hunting. I like to be where goats and sheep are at, and the fastest way for me to get there is to look at those nanny options. It's not for everybody, but for me, that's, that's kind of what my goals are wrapped around. I just want to go. I want to be there. Let's talk about antelope. Okay. We'll, we'll talk about antelope, and then we'll swing back to the sheep. You know, antelope hunting in Colorado um, – first thing i would like to to mention i don't know if this has come up at all uh jay but it, i i definitely was getting some reports up in that northwest corner of the state 
this early fall that there was definitely some blue tongue um, coming through that part of the state, which is pretty scary because that's always been the best part or, or the best place to, you know, typically regarded as the best antelope hunting in the state. And uh, I don't think it was long-lasting. I think we got a good freeze uh, pretty early that kind of slowed it down. But it's worth mentioning because some of these hunts up in that northwest corner are taking an obscene amount of points. And overall, it doesn't take antelope quite as long to bounce back because a three- or four-year-old antelope is as mature as it's going to get. And if I'm sitting on a stack of points, I would want to know that before I applied this year, just doing the same thing I've done every year uh, is uh, trying to draw one of those elite tags up in in two, three, or four, 301 in that part of the world. Um, for guys looking for, okay, if that if that's the case, what's my next best option? Um, I typically kind of drift towards 83 um, and 81 down in uh, in the in the south central part of the state. Probably 81 over 83. Um, still think there's a pretty viable chance for uh, an 80 plus inch goat coming out of there. I think a lot of the reason that happens, Jay, is because Unit 52 in in uh, New Mexico, which is right on the New Mexico side, is managed for a higher age class of, of antelope and is regarded as one of the premier areas in, in New Mexico. It's a muzzleloader, and then this year they started an archery hunt in there as well. So primitive weapons only on the New Mexico side, and I think that you're seeing some carryover in into unit 81 um in in colorado so if you are stacked with points you've been applying in that northwest corner and you want to pull off or do something different because of what happened in the early fall this year um 81 is probably your next viable option um if you're wanting to go just antelope hunting and, and and that's kind of the goal is just to get out and maybe you're taking your kids on a youth hunt or or something like that, I think that, uh, you know, one of the things that you're going to have to deal with is private property. You're going to need to be looking, particularly on the eastern side of the state, and where you, you're probably not going to um, run into as much problem is going to be looking down in that southwest corner where you've got the Comanche um, prairie that, you know, makes up good portions of land in 144, 145, 139, it's got, you know, there's some state land in these areas as well that definitely increase the amount of public property. And, you know, we start looking at units, like, like you say, 144, 145, and there's about, you know, 100% chance of drawing that muzzleloader tag in there. Um, there is, uh, let me see, it, it's not super difficult to get in there and hunt with your with your rifle in any of those units surrounding that other areas as we drift a little bit further uh north of there we really start getting into some very very limited public land and we want to watch out for that but that southeast corner of the state sooner than later definitely pretty viable for a chance at at taking a you know a nice representative animal uh, some of the other ones that kind of uh drift under the radar i think a little bit it would be looking at unit 88 up in the north central part of the state you know 88 is exciting to me because you know overall you're not too far out of the mix you know that southwest corner of of uh 
of Nebraska and the southeast corner of, of Wyoming, a guy can get in there and and plan to do some archery hunting with very little with very little points. And really, the the rifle and the muzzleloader hunts in these areas aren't too difficult to draw either. All right, let's talk about my favorite Rocky Mountain Bighorn and desert sheep. Uh, obviously, there's not a lot of opportunity for deserts, but um, let's talk about the Rockies. Sure. So, I mean, just like anything, Jay, um, it, it sheep odds are brutal, right? That's just what it boils down to. And it's unfortunate as we get some of these younger uh, hunters starting to look towards, uh, um, you know, Colorado as where can we, you know, where can we kind of start get building a foundation of points. Going back to the first part of the conversation, I, I do believe moving forward that this will prove to be one of the best things that's happened with these increased points uh, fees that, that Colorado has come into play. It's uh, for the youth hunters that that hundred dollars isn't required, and it gets them past their their years of eligibility um, without that upfront cost. And then again, they don't have to spend that hundred dollars. If you can just get them their three points, even if you didn't want to spend the hundred dollars moving forward. For nine bucks a year, they're still in the hat. They still have a chance. They may not be getting more presence in the draw, but if there was ever an application to get your kids started on, right now, sheep, moose, and goat, and deer, elk, and antelope in Colorado, you 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 created an opportunity for them that they're always going to have. Uh, if you can just get past those qualifiers, um, when we start looking at you know. Historically, best units in the state. I'm gonna, you know, S44, S50 are probably the two that stick out for the non-residents that have a chance at a 170 plus RAM. I think S32 probably ought to be in that in in there as well. Um, very low drawing odds. Um, extremely unlikely that you're ever going to to pull your name out of the hat. But if we, you know, if you're like me and you're chasing odds, you know, for me personally, I want a cheap tag so bad, Jay, that if the write-ups and the, the things I'm reading say that there's no sheep in this unit and 0% success over six years, like right now, the idea of just seeing my name on a sheep tag is probably equal to the day that I put that tag on a ram because I've been trying for so many years to draw the dang tag. And so I, I chase odds pretty hard. For myself, I, I I just want to get a tag in my pocket, and right now S20 is probably the best odds in in the state. Um, super physical hunt, not a not a super high population of sheep. They give two tags a year, one to non-residents, one to residents, um, and you better be prepared to shoot a 150-inch ram if you draw that permit. It's very much not a good option for a lot of guys. It doesn't fit with what their goals are. But if you're purely just looking to try and get your hands on a ram uh, and get a tag, uh, that S20 is probably the, the most, probably going to be your best option. Um, probably the next best option is probably going to be S17 and maybe S13. Uh, both of those, again, super physical units. They don't have a reputation for producing big sheep. That's probably the one overlying message with Colorado is that 
you know, there aren't very many 170 class Rams a year killed in the whole state. But Colorado's uh, managing those for probably just a one year less age class than than maybe some of the other states in most of their units to produce that 170 plus kind of sheep. And so you also need to be just a little bit realistic in Colorado when you get there of what you're there to hunt. It's a little bit like drawing the the, the random tags in, in Wyoming. Like those units are managed more for opportunity than they are for age class. And the same goes for the bulk of Colorado. So if you're only interested in hunting the very best, I think you ought to stick with, uh, like I say, S44, S50, and maybe even S32. Um, if you're chasing odds, I think uh, G or S20 is probably going to be your, your very best pick, followed up by, like, S17. Guys, um, I want to know personally what you guys, you know, um, Jordan, you talked a little bit about your strategy with sheep and wanting to just get a tag and just get your hands on a ram. Um, out of any of the species in the state, is there any particular tag that you're, like, really eyeballing as far as your trophy tag? Um, you know, whether it be, you know, archery, muzzleloader, rifle, um, and if not, kind of what your personal strategy is in the state of Colorado. For, uh, just for all species, Jay? It, yeah, I mean, is there one particular hunt that you're like, oh, I want this unit for, you know, deer, or I want this unit, I'm, I'm going to wait till I get it, or, you know, maybe you, you're the opposite and you just want to get tags? Sure. You know, um, for elk, for me, Jay, that fourth season in Unit 40 has really got my eye. I think that uh, Unit 40 gets looked over a little bit by the DIY guys because uh, there is a high amount of private property in that unit. But for where I'm at with points, I'm still a few years away from drawing that permit, but it's, uh, it's kind of the one that I'm, I'm, I'm eyeballing the most. I think there's plenty of BLM and state ground. I think that uh, I might even try and pull that off where, like, where I'm starting is the river, and then I'm, like, hiking up and putting a base camp in, and just the experience around that. I think 40 still has some great bulls left in it, but I think you got to hunt pretty hard, and you got to kind of look outside the box a little bit on how you're going to access that unit and the parts of the unit that you're, you're going to go in on that fourth season, and, and you're always up against some level of weather and I mean there's a lot of factors in, in play there but uh, I think I think that uh, for the amount of points that are required for that fourth season there's a heck of a chance at a really nice bull on that hunt and then for deer I'm a little bit completely the opposite with deer I want to go hunting often in in uh, Colorado and truth be told I haven't really found somewhere that I really like home and it's because I, I think I can have a, a good experience anywhere. That stuff around Eagle is fantastic. There's some units around Steamboat Springs. I've really kind of been looking at a few of the options in the southeast corner of the state for some whitetails. Uh, actually this year I haven't locked in my Colorado applications but I'm really intrigued with the idea of going and trying to pull off a DIY whitetail hunt in the south uh, east corner of the state where there's a little bit of grassland, there's a little bit of public land, and just go see if I can figure it out. Colorado 
is definitely a state that we like to hunt often here. And so I don't really get married to any points on my deer versus the elk. Uh, I got a little bit of a different goal. Um, moose, I, I apply for the north uh, center part of the state. I kind of swing for the fence on that one. Sheep, I put in for S20 or I'm going to put in for S20 because it's the best odds and it sounds horrible when I get there, but, but at least I'll have a sheep tag in my pocket. And uh, for the mountain goats, um, typically I kind of drift towards whatever is it says is the most physical. Uh, tends to have the better odds of drawing, and uh, I'm young enough right now. I'd just as soon get as many of those under my belt and out of the way as I can. So um, that's kind of... Jason, what about, what about you? Probably... Oh, sorry, so Jordan. My, that, that's a, you're right, right. My sheep, moose, and goat apps pretty much are just like Jordan's. I'm not, nothing really different there. Um, for those people that know me, Jay, you probably don't know this, but I'm not an elk hunter. I really, elk just don't do it for me. So I'm, I'm putting in for point only an elk, and maybe some year, long, long time down the road, I, I will cash those points in. But elk don't really excite me, and so I'm not, I don't really have a goal as far as elk. But my deer goal it's kind of like what I talked about earlier. I'm building my overall points for a four-season deer tag I'll cash in at some point. And I'm kind of using the other ones to explore the state of Colorado. So I'm trying to draw some of those second and third seasons throughout the next 10 years or so and then settle on where I want to finally cash in and go on my big Colorado hunt. So I'm kind of using the second and third seasons to explore Colorado a little bit. I probably will do that whitetail hunt maybe at some point with Jordan's talking about and then I'm looking at some of the southern units that border New Mexico. One thing we didn't talk about, guys, is, you know, Colorado's been receiving a ton of snow. Um, I haven't gotten any reports from the Gunnison Basin other than uh, one of my friends, Steve Winery. I texted him, and he said, you know, we're probably okay right now, uh, but we don't need any more snow, you know, he didn't really say it like that. He basically said, you know, it all over the next couple weeks, two or three weeks, it's real critical if we got, you know, some really big storms, uh, it could potentially have another uh, winter kill. What have you guys heard as far as uh, winter kill uh, across the state and any of the units that, uh, you know, normally are affected by that? We really haven't got much, Jay. Um, same type of thing. I think everybody's holding their breath a little bit. We're hearing the same thing out of northeast Utah, uh, southwest uh, uh, Arizona a little bit, and Colorado, uh, no different, that if we can just kind no of... No more. Yeah, no more, because the problem isn't the, the snow as much, in, from what I've seen, it's always that when we get a big cold front, so if it warms up, and things get a little bit slushy out there, and then it all of a sudden gets really cold again, and that ground freezes, that's when we're in bad shape. That's where we could lose a lot real quick. So if we can just keep the sunshine coming, uh, I think we're, we're at a, an amazing place uh, as far as moisture le levels across all of the western states right now for what the winter produced. And... Uh, we never want to say no more, but uh, maybe uncle for a minute right now, and let's just let things warm up, and and uh, maybe some rain instead of snow wouldn't be a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, I hear you on that. Uh, guys, it's always awesome talking to you on the podcast. Um, I want you to 
to uh, let the listeners know how they can reach out and, and talk more with you uh, about these different Western states. And I appreciate you guys coming on and sharing with us about Colorado and your strategies, uh, both on a personal level and on with clients. And you guys always do such a great job, uh, you know, discussing that. Sure. Well, we sure appreciate it, Jay, and, and we appreciate your listeners. We we get quite a few comments, feedbacks, and phone calls uh, from your listeners, and it means a lot to us. And some just have a quick follow-up question, and we enjoy those. And other guys are, you know, jumping in and, and enrolling in the program and, and uh, getting a little bit more of a relationship established. And, and we really appreciate and enjoy all of it, uh, even if it's just a, a one-off question for sure. So um, we would encourage that. Uh, from your listeners if you do have just a one-off question and want to chat for a minute please call us at any time and uh, we're looking forward to getting this uh, this Colorado applications process this is an exciting one I mean the deer uh, elk and antelope I, I think that we ought to have a hard plan in place more often than not and and not have a surprise uh, happen in those and know exactly what we're doing and then that sheep moose and goat I mean it's anybody's game uh, get in that hat and get your kids in that hat our, our kids apply free program there's there's not a better one out there we can we can take all of the stress and headache out of it uh, at no cost at all and uh, we'd probably ask the listeners uh, if you want to kind of keep up with us a little bit more to check out our uh, social media stuff our Facebook page uh, our Instagram is at we are the draw uh, and then we have a YouTube channel, and we're trying to kind of put different content and different things uh, out there um, and reach out to us anytime if you've got any specific questions. Awesome, guys. Well, uh, as always, thank you, and I uh, look forward to chatting down the road. And it uh, won't be too long. We'll start getting more feedback uh, from these other states that we've already applied for and, and uh, see what tags we draw. And, um, you know, obviously I've got, you know, Arizona uh, deer and sheep coming up. Um, looking forward to that in June. And and uh, so we'll just keep plowing through these applications, uh, these states and, and these seasons here. Perfect. We'll have uh, Nevada coming up pretty quick too, Jay. And uh, um, I've just actually submitted the first application strategy to Go Hunt. So if your listeners are Go Hunt members, uh, check out. Uh, that'll be an application strategy that's coming uh, from the draw here. And uh, Mexico's come and gone, but uh, Jason did a bang-up job on, on the write-ups for New Mexico application strategy. So um, if, if you haven't checked those out, uh, I'd encourage your listeners to do that for sure. The, there's just a little bit more depth there on some of the stuff as well. It's easier to put in writing, I guess, sometimes. Right on, guys. Well, uh, God bless. Thanks for coming on, okay? Thanks, Jay. Thank you, Jay.